Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have their own hands on the levers as they market and grow their business. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every single week and invest in themselves every single week are all of the above. Take a moment. Explore episodes. Discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Just Google Business Creators Radio Show. You'll find it. Also, search for Business Creators Radio Show on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe. Fresh content every single week. As soon as you subscribe, nearly 200 episodes available for your immediate perusal and enjoyment. Now, today... This is an episode we've been looking to do for a while, and the gentleman we're bringing on board is a very busy guy, and I know we've had to reschedule this one a couple times because he's very much in demand, so we're very honored to have this man with us today, especially on the topic that he's going to share. A lot of us that are in online marketing know of these things called affiliates, where basically you set up an affiliate portal and you invest all kinds of money in graphics, banners, swipe files, and people sign up and they get their links. And then you never hear from them. But then there's always this one person that becomes your super affiliate who delivers 90% of the produce of your affiliate program. There's also this elusive person out there. I don't know where they are, but people have been looking for them for 13 years trying to find this person called an affiliate manager. Uh, There may be somebody who's listening right now who's going to raise their hand and say, Dag Nabbit, I'm an affiliate manager. And you know what? I want you to because I've been looking for you for a long time. Uh, Somebody who truly understands what it means to run an affiliate program. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about a new way of looking at affiliate programs. Because I think many of us are also familiar with some of the frustrations and the agonies of building a revenue stream driven by affiliates. And to help us with that today, we have Robert Glazer. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He is the founder and managing director of Acceleration Partners and the founder and chairman of BrandCycle. He's a serial entrepreneur with an exceptional track record and passion for growing revenue and profits for B2C, that's business-to-consumer-based companies. In demand by top brands and entrepreneurial firms, Robert has extensive experience in the consumer, e-commerce, retail, online marketing, and ad tech industries, partnering with brands such as Adidas, ModCloth, Reebok Target, Tiny Prince, Jimbery, and Warby Parker. Bob is a regular contributor to numerous outlets, writing about performance marketing, which is basically the topic we're covering today, strategy and culture. He is the recipient of the Boston Business Journal 40 Under 40 Award, the Smart CEO Boston Future 50 Award, and he's a finalist for the E&Y that's Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in New England, among other accolades. A sought-after speaker, Robert presents to global audiences and serves as an advisor to high-growth businesses. Bob strongly believes in giving back. He serves on the board of directors for Build Boston, is a global leader in the Entrepreneurs Organization, and has founded the Fifth Night Charitable Event. That's www.fifthnight.org. He's previously served on the boards of the Performance Marketing Association and Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Massachusetts Bay and participated in the annual Rodman Ride for Kids for a dozen years, raising almost $100,000 for charity. In his spare time, if you can believe he has any, Bob is an avid rider, skier, traveler, cyclist, and serial home renovator. You can read about Bob's inspirational Friday forward posts each week at Friday forward.com spelled friday fwd.com and learn more about him and acceleration partners which is his company at uh, his linkedin profile just look up robert glazer uh, and you can also go to his website at accelerationpartners.com Woo! so am i even worthy to be on the call with you man welcome aboard thanks very, very happy to be here and uh 
Yeah, that, that was a little over the top, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to, to live up to it. All right. Okay, great. I mean, that is one heck of a heck of a bio. So that tells us you know, a lot about what you're doing right now and some of the things you've done relatively recently. Uh, but before we dive into the main part of our topic today, which is driving growth with performance partnerships, uh, I think if you could just tell a little bit more about yourself for our listeners. And what I mean by that, for those of us who are still getting to know you as a person, a little bit more about your personal story and what has driven you down this path that I've just described and brought you to the current intersection of your brilliance and passion where uh, you serve business creators today. Yeah, so um, I was probably always an entrepreneur. Uh, I think I was a little... Um, probably there are a lot of people that can resonate with this. I was a little more uh, entrepreneurial, and uh, you know, entrepreneurs entrepreneurs can be great for organizations or, or bad for organizations. You know, they're the type of people within companies who um, kind of push the envelope and have that entrepreneurial thinking, but often don't have the risk tolerance to go do that uh, on their own. And so I, I sort of that was my path. I coming out of school, I went uh, to strategy consulting venture capital and took an operational role, really loved sort of building and growing uh, businesses, particularly in the consumer uh, B2C space, um, and helped other people grow their businesses and then realized that eventually, you know, hey, I really want to do this how, how I want to do it. And at some point you cross the threshold where that is more exciting and enticing to you than, than the risk. Um, but it was sort of a, a, a personal professional overlap, you know, I got into the affiliate space because actually when we started Acceleration Partners, we were helping people with some fundraising uh, and sort of, um, you know, consulting and growth and getting off the ground. And and just, uh, I was operating in a consumer business before that. And I just, I came to understand that ultimately success in a in most businesses, but particularly in the consumer business, you need a great product and service, right? That's that sort of table stakes. But it, it comes down right. to profitable customer acquisition. Um, and, and so that was sort of the space that we settled in on. It was once you had a good product or service, you know, the companies that had a way to um, get customers profitably and sustainably were going to win. And, you know, if you can do that virally and the other guy has to pay, then then it almost doesn't matter if his product's a little bit better than yours. Uh, you know, economically that's going to work. So, you know, in, in sort of really getting into acquisition and learning SEO, I know really – and I talk about this in the book, how I sort of, uh, you know, happenstance into the affiliate world. But I, I think like many people, and, you know, I talk about the sort of full circle nature of this, the concept of performance-based marketing is, is there's really nothing better, right, where, where a brand would say, look, here, here's what I'm looking for, and, you know, I don't, I don't pay it until I get it. I think the, the difference between the utopian version of what affiliate marketing sort of was supposed to be and, and, and kind of where it went for about 10 years, um, as I talk about, I mean, that, 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 it, it sort of diverged. Um, so we're really working to bring that back full circle. And we think, you know, particularly with everything that's gone on to display marketing and fraud and all this stuff, that, you know, people should be paying for outcomes. And in today's day and age, they should not be paying a lot of money to people for things that don't work. You know, and we have a model right. to pay for things that work if we, if we use it properly. Right, right. Very true. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to continue that and have you tell us a little bit more. What is or what are performance partnerships and how does this concept differ from the traditional affiliate marketing model that many of us have heard of? So, so would it help if I step back and make sure, give it my definition of affiliate marketing to make sure that everyone understands yeah. sort of that first and then dive into maybe wh where it diverged and then how, how I see performance partnerships as being different? Please. Okay. So uh, at 10,000 feet, you know, affiliate marketing is really when a company and a marketing partner, uh, often called an affiliate or publisher, enter into a commission-based relationship that's paid for performance in nature. That's often called CPA, cost per acquisition. I like the term COD, cash on delivery. It's easier to understand. Um, almost every online business with over a million dollars in revenue today has an affiliate program. If you go to the bottom of a lot of websites on the left or right, you'll see a link to affiliate program. You probably never noticed it before. 
And in a lot of ways, it's really more of a framework to pay more than a channel itself because affiliates represent almost every conceivable form of online marketing from public companies to apps to mom bloggers to the digital versions of newspaper and magazine sites. There's really all kinds of different different models. And so, um, you know, that that's really the definition, historical definition of affiliate marketing. I think where... I saw it diverge, and where a lot of the problems have come from is, is, is in the lead gen world, lead generation, which is when people are more paying for leads than sales. Uh, and a lot of what happened under this model is there was a lot of opacity. So when e-commerce started and you had a lot of pets.com and drugstore.com and a lot of really companies right. that didn't have brand components to them, performance marketing was just about results. It was like, don't ask, don't tell. I don't care where you get a lead or sale from. Uh, as long as I don't, you know, as long as I pay you on performance, then then that's great. Uh, and that worked for a while, but a few things happened. Um, brands started to come online, you know, and drive the majority of e-commerce, and they were really uncomfortable with, you know, a lot of the opacity around that. And two is attribution started to come into play, where you couldn't necessarily say that if you were paying an affiliate for a sale, but that same customer came through five paid channels you know, you, you suddenly, like, maybe that sale wasn't worth it. You had to pay a little more understanding to attribution. So there was a the, – the, the first generation of affiliate marketing was largely, like, don't ask, don't tell. As a partner of yours, you have no right to know, like, what I'm doing. It was very transactional. You set the incentive, we'll deliver the sale. So, so the difference for me and how I define performance partnerships is, um, you know, performance partnerships defines – really what I consider the high-quality aspects of affiliate marketing excludes the tactics that have been responsible for some of the poor reputation um, things. So there's just four elements. You need that CPA and COD, uh, cash-on-delivery element. There's a lot of confusing. A lot of people call paid search performance marketing or paid social uh, performance marketing because you can measure the performance. The purists believe that being able to measure something and pay on it is different. And so you know, true performance right. marketing has the CPA element. There's got to be transparency. So, again, it's, it's, it's not that I'm hiding what I'm doing from my partner. I'm being transparent about it, and I can do something they can't do. And then there's a real relationship or partnership. So it starts to pull in those elements of partner and business development, saying, like, look, I'm not – again, I'm not in just a transactional thing with this person. I'm, I'm working with them. I'm coaching them. I'm trying to help them be better what they're due. We're in this together. I'm not going to – you know, we're not going to make short-term decisions, either of us, that sort of hurt the relationship. And then the last part, because I think this is interesting, this, there's a lot of things that have a lot of the elements of performance marketing, m partnerships that are not called affiliate marketing these days because we don't have the last part, which is this real-time tracking and payment. And this is kind of one of the misunderstood things of affiliate is that we have this system um, that tracks and pays and deals with contracts and, and all this stuff that makes it a lot more scalable than than other forms of of uh, business development and partner marketing. Yeah. So what do you see as your predictions for the future of affiliate marketing? My predictions for the future is really around um, convergence. So I think what you're seeing is um, the, the SaaS revolution in affiliate marketing has been pretty pretty big, and I think you're going to see the, the affiliate networks respond with, with more alternatives. So historically, you, you pick the network, and your program was sort of co-branded with that network, and you paid a performance fee. Because of that, if a company originated sort of a business development relationship in-house, they would probably try to track and pay that through spreadsheets and checks and whatever, because they're like, well, that's my relationship, and I don't want to pay a performance fee uh, because, you know, I procured that. I'm, I'm paying the network these fees to kind of bring me these relationships. Well, a few years ago, companies started licensing affiliate technology, particularly to larger brands, and said, look, instead of on a performance fee, we'll, we'll white-label you an affiliate solution. Um, this existed 15 years ago, but sort of before the cloud. So this is the next generation. We'll white-label this to you, and you can build an in-house program and call it the partner program or whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot of interest and growth in that, and the pricing models of these are different. And so when companies now build this partner program, like the Uber partner program or the Adidas partner program, they might take all the relationships that some from business development that you know were smaller or partner marketing and start to manage all this stuff in the same place. So 
they start to don't think about affiliate as this separate bucket over here, but, but there starts to be more kind of how do we make all these mid and smaller business development partners, and they were just saying no to, you know, they say, hey, I don't want to drive you to go join a network, my competitors, but I have an in-house program that has all this. You just sign up, you sign the agreement, you set up your account, your bank account, tracking, we'll give you ideas. So this is the part of the scalability of sort of affiliate programs that has been brought more generally to sort of business development and partner development. We see so many programs that wouldn't be called affiliate programs where someone is managing, you know, 20, 100 partners in-house and they are sending them, you know, they're using uh, UTM parameters in Google and then they're sending them a spreadsheet that reports a month later and then they're sending them an invoice and then they're sending them a check a month later. <laughs> and it's like, by the time they get the check or the report, it's three months later, you know, to figure out that they actually were doing well. And that and that's really where these the real-time nature of these tracking systems and stuff so that both parties can see how everyone is doing in real time. And the contracting, right. rather than going through business development for contracting, I mean, you know, when I accepted an update to my iPhone two days ago, I probably gave them permission to sell all my pictures in perpetuity. You know, I just, you, just, <laughs> yeah. you just click, you know, rather than, I don't negotiate with Apple on the, I just, you know, I accept the end user license. And I, I think people forget that these platform twos can really be scalable contracting platforms. Like, here's our standard terms of agreement, accept it, and, you know, we can all, all get going. Right, 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 right. So uh, tell us more about why you see a growing demand for transparency between the brand and their affiliates. Some of the things you've already pointed out are you know, pretty helpful to us. For instance, uh, each of us being able to see how the other is doing in real time. But what else is out there in terms of transparency? Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's getting that in real time. It's, it's, you know, if you're a large brand – you know, you want to be really clear how your brand's being used. And, and, and again, it's not, you know, let's, let's use Adidas as an example. So I was on a panel with a head of Adidas Global Affiliate Program, and he was saying, you know, look, when we work with wholesalers and stuff, they have like a 200-page agreement about what they can do and not do, and it's one strike, you're out, and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, and, and, and the affiliate agreement's not even that, that large. So comparatively, like, you're becoming a partner of Adidas, and we – that means that, you know, we're holding you to a certain standard and you are a steward of our brand. I don't think anyone 10 to 15 years ago in Gen 1 as a publisher would have seen them as sort of a steward of their brand. It was, it was more right. of a, a, a mercenary market, right? Like, just, just get me the sale and I'll pay you for the sale, right? Almost, I, I don't care how you got it. Like, I don't care if it was an old logo in the email or whatever. I, you know, I can tell you in today's day and age, someone like Adidas, they saw an email go out to publishers that – or to customers from a publisher, and it worked really well, but it had a five-year-old logo, someone in the brand department would get very, very upset over that. Um, so th this, this is where it sort of comes together, where we still want to you know, create performance-based deals and incentives, um, but, but there are brand standards to be held to, and, and that goes both ways. You know, the brand can communicate with publishers more and, and use them as sort of a content syndication um, opportunity. You know, we had a, a client mod cloth years ago, and um, you know Michelle Obama was seen wearing a mod cloth dress. And the the PR team right. coordinated with our team, and that day they got all that information out to uh, partners. Um, I like calling affiliates partners. They wrote hundreds of articles, and we'd given them the links and the images, and you know everyone was really happy with something like that. Again, we went to the publishers and said, "Look, it's not. We'll help you. You know, here's an opportunity for you. We'll even give you the content and tell you how to how to distribute it." Um, so that that's sort of again where 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 it's going both ways, and just that that discussion and communication and more kind of business development, partner development principles creates new types of marketing opportunities. Right. You know what else I've seen is the markets move a lot faster than this day and age than they did maybe yeah. 13 years ago when I started out, or even five years ago, with the democratization of information where everybody can become their own searcher for their truth, where everybody can become their own news outlet if they choose to be. Uh, and the way what we used to think of as breaking news breaks these days, it can be hard for the brands and the affiliates as I see it, to even stay in sync because of how quickly things move. I mean, you, I mean, we're yeah. pretty much in a 
our extreme right now. I mean, um, yeah. now you mentioned Michelle Obama, so I have to be fair and balanced here. Um, a few years ago, Senator Marco Rubio uh, did his response to the State of the Union address, and uh, for some reason it was a big deal to certain folks that he stopped to take a drink of bottled water while he was giving his response. Now, the company that made the bottled water had an incredible opportunity to capitalize off of that. And they, may, and they may themselves had brand affiliates or partners or what have you. So I'm just using this as an obvious example. But when they went and looked at that company's you know, social media, they hadn't updated their Twitter in two years. So this company had uh, an incredible marketing opportunity fall in their lap that they could have used to support their distributors, and they were just asleep at the switches. But that's yeah. the kind of and, that, and, that and, the kind of market we're in right now. It's truly twenty four yeah, hours. That was a Tuesday night, if I remember correctly. Right. I mean, you you uh, you're alluding to something I talk a lot about. You know, that's really resonated with folks in the end of the book, which is what I say is the sort of marketplaces of marketing or Uberization of marketing. So think about how Uber and Airbnb have built their businesses. They create sort of a marketplace and rules and standards. But they don't worry about which car is where, and they don't have to build fleets of cars and 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 right. but if, to play as a driver or a rider in the system. We saw a little bit of this in marketing in the last five or ten years, sort of at the logo tournament type level. Oh well, rather than a designer, I'll kind of go to the wisdom of the crowds. But think about you know these what what these SaaS programs have have created is it's almost like someone saying that this is their sort of internal marketing network and experts from all around the world can join their marketing network and if they operate transparent transparently and play by the rules and follow the brand standards and they know how to do something really well then the company would can tell them what that's worth and would benefit from that so you know it's cuz cuz as you said as soon as the company fills out and figures out Instagram marketing then they have Snapchat marketing and as soon as they figure out Snapchat marketing then they have augmented reality marketing and yeah, you know, the, the the market can keep up with this faster than I think companies can build teams. So I'm not I'm not implying that people won't have marketing teams. Just like Uber doesn't have you know Uber has a lot of employees, but but you could definitely focus on you you know this this, this part of this strategy of your performance partnership program is, is sort of like your R and D or experimenting and seeing what's worth when you're not. You're only paying for outcomes. You're not paying for inputs. That, that's the most important part of uh, performance marketing or performance partnerships or affiliate marketing or, again, a lo- lo- lot of terms. I, again, I just consider performance partnerships to sort of be the, uh, the, the I say it's like the Chianti Classico of affiliate marketing. You can only, you know, certain criteria, you can only call Chianti Classico from a certain region in Italy. Everything else can be Chianti. So, um, but right. but that that's really you know, I think the opportunity is to, um, you know, op- open that up and get people testing and experimenting and, and, again, paying for outcomes, not inputs. So with the amount of data we have uh, these days and analytics and all this stuff, you really shouldn't enter into an arrangement where there's an opportunity for one partner, to, one party to make a ton of money and the other to have absolutely no success. Um, it, 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 that sort of win-lose outcome just really doesn't need to exist anymore. Right. Right. I'd like to take a little bit of a segue here because um, I know there's something that some of our listeners who knew you were going to be on the show wanted me to ask. A lot of times when we think of affiliate management under the uh, the old model, the traditional model, the current model, whatever you want to call it, uh, we think of the affiliate being able to log into this online sensor where banners and swipe files and uh, pre-written tweets and all that are going to be waiting for them to just swipe and deploy. And I can tell you, having run a number of uh, book launches myself, that realistically, if you get 20 people on your book launch team, uh, one will, statistically, one will take everything you put out there and just go with it, and two others will pick and choose from it and the rest will just make up their own stuff. That's just my experience. I want to get your experience because you're more embedded in this niche area of marketing. Uh, is it worth it to do all these affiliate swipe materials anymore? Yeah, I mean, it depends on who your affiliates are, right? Whether you have sort of a mid and a long tail who could use some of that sort of 
pre-formulated content ideas or whether you have some large partners that, you know, would never even check their newsletter file. Um, so right. I, I do think there is some context. What has changed is that when I was managing programs 10 years ago, you you know, the data feed and obviously you keep that updated. You'd have tons of banners and links, all kinds of stuff. I mean, no one really is putting a lot of banners in there anymore, you know, because so many affiliates right. just run banners and, and tons of different links. I mean, there's link creation tools these days. But, but a lot of the folks who are more kind of influencer-oriented, you know, half the folks in affiliate marketing are back to using text links these days. You know, they don't they don't want all this right. complicated stuff. They they use the text link on a you know on their on their social media or on Facebook or otherwise. So, in, you know, you have these large um, like a like a uh, a reward style and fashion affiliates. I mean, they they're, they're all just putting links in in social media. So, I don't think you you have the need for this like massively filled out profile where you're updating feeds every day and putting in 50 banners and adding coupons and taking them out. I mean, I think people can find what they're looking for, but we we do find a lot of value and we think that a good manager should really be creating merchandise material and and giving giving publishers ideas. You know, we segment publishers. So so let's say we had a large, you know, um card client and we had people sorted as wedding and they had a big wedding product launch, well, we'd want to go to those wedding people and explain the product launch and how they could market it. So that's, that is sort of creating demand. But as you alluded to, you know, before we jumped on the call and right there, it is hard to get around the 80-20 rule. Um, you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone tries to do it, but um, there is always that 20% that, that, or if not more, that, you know, or less that will drive more. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's always been a hard statistical rule to overcome. Right. I, I mean, I think that's very true. The 80-20 rule or in, in affiliate marketing, uh, you know, it's, like, it's more like the 95-5, yeah. if you ask me, <laughs> yeah. is, is very true. And I have been seeing kind of a, myself, a step back from going overboard with setting up all these huge affiliate centers with all these materials because two things happen. The materials barely even get used, and then, uh, it, you know, and then you get busy with other things in your business. And next thing you know is uh, all the materials are out of date. I've run into that one a few times as well because it's just such a become such a small part of your operations right. that you know, other things get in the way. You don't even update it. So in many cases, why even bother? So um, in well, technology is also yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Back go ahead. No, no. No, I think technology is also giving you some different options. So. We we actually spun off a company two years ago called Brand Cycle that has basically looking to work with influencers and non traditional publishers and connect them to affiliate programs, but do it with a single interface. So you know, one of the things these days is that folks do not want to learn the whole space. They don't want to learn that way. They 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 somehow now have a million followers all overnight, and they don't want to learn different affiliate networks and programs and interfaces. They just want to get connected to the to the brand, and but but the affiliate program is the way to do that. So so that company has built the sort of interface, and they have ideas for each brand, and so it doesn't matter if it's on network A or B, it all looks the same and it's connected. But one of the things they've done is they've added a little browser tool that lets you just go through the site, you know, organically, and because like a lot of times the influencer community, particularly, is that they're just they're authentically interested in a product or a brand or something, they, they know that brand, you can just navigate the site and you can create a link to any page, you can grab an image and make, you can, you can sort of organically create uh, a, a, an affiliate connection to, as if you're on the site as a user uh, and, then, and then, you know, put it directly in social media. And I, I see people responding a lot more to those sort of tools, which says, look, you can, you can pull any sort of asset off the, off the website. I don't need to make a massive catalog of assets. Go, go get whatever you need, and we'll give you a tool to automatically connect affiliate link to that. Right, right. So, so what are some of the other ways that you would say that uh, in terms of performance partnerships, you see the uh, partners being properly supported. Uh, you know, we are noticing uh, that while the quote-unquote affiliate resource center is not completely dead, it's yeah. certainly evolving. So what are some of the evolutions? Just, I just want to highlight this in one specific question. What are some of the best ways that the brand can support its partners uh, so those partners go out and spread the message? 
I think a team and a human face. So it's very common to have programs hide behind the affiliate team. And what that has historically been is, you know, one person managing five channels or, you know, a program that, you know, is, is, is being managed maybe by a network and has someone who's got 20 accounts and just not a lot of attention. I think, you know, one of the things that we do in the program that we're managing is that, you know, they may have a full-time person or two or three, and they are using their names and they're making themselves known. I think affiliate is half technology and half relationships. And so rather than people feeling like if they're frustrated, you know, they have to figure out who affiliate team is, they, they call Sarah, you know, and Sarah really helps with their issues. So, so I think putting a human face on programs and saying, look, I, I'm the manager. Like, can you imagine a biz dev relationship with a company being like, if you have a problem, call, you know, email biz dev people at, you know, company.com. <laughs> no, you, the biz dev guy puts his name on that or, 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 or woman puts their name on that relationship. So I, I, I think that the, 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 both the, the amount of resources that people have put on programs and the talent of those resources ha, has not been that great. And, and so we're seeing both of those change. We're seeing the demand for much more experienced people and much more, dedi- you know, more dedicated people. And as you alluded to before, I mean, the, we, we, we've launched an academy training program. You know, one of the things that we're finding is there's just not enough people. We can't hire high-quality kind of next-generation affiliate managers fast enough. So we're, we've built a three-month training program to, to help develop them. Right, right. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to pull out the whole idea of having a human face on whatever your business is doing. What I've been saying for a few years is um, if you want to kill a website conversion conversation or a sales conversation really quickly, send out a broadcast email, whether it's a newsletter, an update, or whatever it is. Just go to your opt-in subscribers, send out a broadcast newsletter, and send it from an address like no reply at brandname.com. And then when the person receives that newsletter or receives that email, they reply to it with a question or, hey, I want one. And then they get an auto reply that says, responses to this account are not read by a human being. Ticket number 4379742 x 3 has been created, and we will provide a response as appropriate, if necessary, within three business days. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Wow. Recently. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's – it, I mean, customer service and relationship is, is, is a competitive differentiator. And again, in the affiliate space, it's been very driven by a lot of tools and engineers and better widget. And we've, we've continually shown across a couple of different businesses that customer service can make and personal relationships can make a big difference. I, I recently was given the name of a, a literary agent to talk to and um, for, for one of my upcoming books. And I sent a note and I got a a, a, a thing back saying basically like I, I it came back from an email that was like no submit at something and it came back kind of like thank you for submitting I don't really talk to people it, it, it was, you know it, it couldn't have made it sound more like you this person less wanted to work with people um, the way right. that they set it up and the reply address and all this stuff that it just it's just such a ter- and look this person may be a phenomenal agent, but it was just such a terrible first impression. And, you know, I, I would have written the f- person back and told them that, except it said, and, and like you said, <laughs> no one will reply to this email. So, uh, right. you know, ha- you know you, you, you've got to learn it. And so that is a very small thing that I will tell you I've learned, that we all of our accounts are named who's working on it. Here's the contact. Um, the, the sort of affiliate thing, people do not like that. That is like, who, who, who do I call? When I have a problem. Right. I mean, I see some companies where they uh, just want to keep things simple, and they have a distribution email like help at or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, sometimes, and sometimes the reason they do that is because they want to stay away from the lack of personalization that a ticket system brings, but they want to have a situation that actually helps the customer where somebody emails help at, brandname.com, and the first person that sees a response to it, they sort of do like a, a tag team sort of thing. You see that a lot. Um, if, if, if you market that correctly, where basically you come out and say that, uh, that you have three people, um, and their names are Stella, Sandra, and Zoe, yeah. 
this is our customer support team. Make sure to email team at branddomain.com, and whoever sees it first will respond to you. You're just being transparent that you have three people tag teaming it. These are the three people. When you reach out to us, you're going to get one of the three. And the reason we want you to, to, to send all three of them is so that we can get you the fastest right. possible response. When you phrase it that way, you can get away with help at branddomain.com or team at branddomain.com right. or domain name or whatever it is. Uh, but when we get to this no reply and it's a faceless, nameless, what have you, uh, that not only cools the relationship, but to me it kills trust. Uh, couldn't couldn't agree more. And and I think I will tell you that I've had some, there's some interesting technologies that have come out in the affiliate space in the past and things where you know they're developed by engineers in a room who don't want to talk to people. And we're doing some stuff with BrandCycle where it's it's. It, it, it is not – the technology is really good, but it's the partnership development and the relationships and someone saying, you know what, you helped me, you went and advocated for me, I want to move my other business to you. And people who thought they had the better widget but didn't want to ever speak to a human being have found that, you know, that strategy didn't didn't work. And I, I, I've always said right. that the affiliate space, I think, is, is half technology and half relationships. And you can't – again, if you have great relationships but no good technology, you really need both to do well. Yeah, yeah, and and for those who uh, and you know for those who are listening to this, is saying, you know what, I can't hire Sandra, Stella, and Zoe right now. I just don't have the budget. You can create avatars, uh, like maybe yeah. uh, you get your spouse to be the avatar, or your or your or your adult child to be the avatar, or something like that, just so that you have that. that so when somebody's directing an affiliate or a performance partnership question to somebody, um, they're addressing it to uh, zoe at domain.com. Now, zoe could be you. It could actually be yeah. Ralph. But you create the feeling they're dealing with zoe, and that allows you to maintain that personal aspect of it until you can actually hire your own zoe. Yeah, we, we look, we had – exactly. We had a uh... – we had a conversation with a client, a large client that really needed to they wouldn't do anything without scale, but but we tried to tell them that we thought the personalization element was really important, you know, of this. And um right. and so we, that's what we suggested is like how about they get a welcome in email and it's from Sarah, whatever. And so that's scalable and then when it goes to Sarah it gets distributed and someone says, Hey, I got this email along. Again, you're not trying to be duplicitous again because there there was a problem in that there's there's a lot of volume here, but but that just feeling like that's a person you know, I read an article two days ago that the that there's a whole thing being done with these AI chatbots and car dealerships where this pervasive sort of AI bot keeps following up with you and asks you if you're interested and whatever, and it's not a right. real person. And then as soon as there's interest, they turn it over to a real person, and, and, and people come in asking for this <laughs> bot, and they say, oh, it's not here, but, you know, I can help you. And they, they've never had a problem with it. And, and again, they're not oh. trying to be – it's just it creates much more of the feeling of sort of intimacy and engagement. You know – you know, you know, and a funny thing, because we're doing some things with clients right now um, with Facebook bots, and we found it to actually be a pretty effective strategy from the perspective of being able to initiate conversations. Um, one of our clients has very quickly, through a very, 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 very simple strategy, gotten almost 200 bot subscribers. And uh, yeah. they did an experiment the other day where they just, uh, you know, they just logged into their account uh, that manages their bot, and they sent a simple message that, it was, you know, it's a little more specific, but the gist of it is, hey, how's it going? And they found themselves in the middle of 23 conversations in about 10 minutes. And, uh, and as soon as it, and they turn it over to a real person, as soon as it gets real, right? Is that, is sometimes that how they, they do, and sometimes they yeah. handle it. Just, it just all depends. But just to give you one quick example, um, let's, let's pretend my client's name was Stella. And yeah. uh, one of the people responding to the bot chat said, hey, is this really Stella or is this someone on the team? And they responded, oh, no, 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 this is, uh, you know, this is Zeke. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a team member. And they say, oh, cool. Yeah. It didn't matter. It wasn't who they originally thought it was as much as the right. fact that they knew there was a real human being and there was a name attached to it. Yeah. And, and, and this is, uh, yeah, this is just a really – 
misunderstood part of affiliate marketing. I have had calls with clients. I'll give you an example. So, and this is where a lot of times I actually think we're a helpful buffer because we can either be good cop or bad cop, you know, whichever is necessary right. in, these, in these relationships. But, you know, a, a, a partner violates a part of the terms and conditions. Well, you, you can go to them and, you know, under the right and say, look, I'm taking away your commissions and this, and, and, and you're totally allowed to do that. They just may never want to work with you again versus going to them and say, hey, look, right. I, I saw you made this mistake, and I, I'm going to have to reverse your commissions on this. I really need a fix by the end of the day. They really want to throw you out of the program, um, but 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 I sort of I got you to stay here because I know you're doing this other stuff, but this just can't happen again, right? So in one, in, right. but in both cases you have the same outcome, right? The 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 commissions are reversed for breaking the terms and conditions, but in you know one case you have a sort of adversarial, we're never going to do anything together, and in the other you've sort of preserved right. the 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 relationship, and and. Both are the right. exact same circumstance. You can just handle it differently. And if you don't have a lot of time and resources, guess how you handle it? <laughs> the first way. So, right. Let me um, let me uh, give you uh, uh, you know just along those lines. Um, you know, one of the biggest rules of affiliate programs is: sorry, you can't use your link to buy stuff for yourself and then get a commission on yourself. Sorry. And then yeah. you see all these people that end up. They're affiliates, but they end up buying the stuff and then they, using their link. You know that 95% of the time it's because the affiliate just didn't think to clear their cookies? Yeah, I, I've never understood. You see, you see, affili you see affiliates yeah. getting brutalized over that, like they were deliberately trying to manipulate the system, and they're that vicious and uncaring that they would just blatantly flout uh, a Captain Obvious role about not being able to get commissions on sales to yourself. Uh, you know, there's a real simple way to handle that, which is sort of like the, you know, door number two that you described, which is, uh, you know, we have to reverse these commissions just because, as you know, uh, we do have a role that um, you can't buy stuff and then get a commission on your own. We're, we're yeah. sure that it wasn't, we're sure that it wasn't intentional, but, you know, we exactly. still can't pay it out. Yeah. Yeah. Just also, give, I, give I, I, I understand that for certain companies, but, like, there's not a lot of companies where you'd, like, buy so much stuff from that it would, t you know, other than Amazon, I can get why Amazon really doesn't want that rule because everyone would sign up and it would be a loyalty program and they order four times a day. But if I'm selling $1,000 furniture or whatever, whatever, like you want to buy it through my affiliate links, great. If I'm selling low margin groceries and I can't afford a, you know, affiliate commission. So I, there's just some context for that rule too. There's some, like I, I can understand why it really it's dangerous for Amazon because everyone would get an account and they buy all day. And right. again, it would be sort of, but there's some other folks where if these are like one time you see your purchases or whatever, like ah, who cares? I mean, it, here, here's another great example. We stopped with one of our programs years ago. They would give us reversals to process, you know, where someone returned it or they got two sizes or whatever. Now, the affiliate could argue that they've done their job. And a lot of these reversals they'd send us, and they'd, we'd be reversing, like, something where it came out to $2 in commission. It's like, you know, and we said, look, the, 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 this is going to save $2. We spent three hours going through these and processing. Their Can we create a threshold here where, I mean, the goodwill done hurt by reversing – 79 cent commission due to someone versus just yeah, really. leaving that. It's just, again, there's some common sense in here. So, so we created a rule in that company and it was like basically anything that, you know, it, it was a single thing and wasn't aggregate and was less than $5. We were not going to reverse because it was more annoying for that person to get excited about their $10 in sales a month and see a $5 reversal. We, we had more to lose than we had to gain. Right, precisely. And um, and here's another quote-unquote big secret that I'm about to reveal. A lot of times when people want to buy something and they know that there's an affiliate program out there for it, before they make the purchase, they'll ask around, hey, anybody got a link for me? I only see it on social media 2,000 times a day, so you know it's still a big secret, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and oh and here's another and here's another alarming one um frank will sometimes want to buy something so he'll go to his buddy jeff and say jeff uh 
want to make some money today. Uh, I know you have an interest in furniture. Uh, could you go and sign up for this furniture company's affiliate program so I can buy their couch and you get a piece of the action? Huh? 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 Yeah. It never ever happens. This is all. That's this is man. again. It's all. It's all eighty. It's all. It's all eighty twenty, right? Uh, where yeah. like. If these people are making thousands of dollars doing this, it's worth some time. If they're making, we have a joke in our company, dozens and dozens of dollars. It was a very, very early client yeah. who said to us, like, who was very small, who wanted, like, huge things from their program. And they asked us what, what, what we thought the potential was. And someone answered dozens and dozens of dollars. So it's become a, it's become a longstanding joke. But there's just, some people go way too much, like, cracking down and getting angry on stuff that is, like, $2. Uh-huh. And and right. it, it, if if that person spent all that time to get two dollars, uh, like uh, you know, more power to him. Seriously, I, I I mean I mean there does come a point where you just gotta be human about this. <laughs> yeah. And when and and I think it's glad we I think it's good we went down this little bit of a segue because when we talk about a performance partnership, part of it really just comes down to the human side of it. The partner feels like they're dealing with a human rather than a face, than a faceless what, and we have reasonable considerations. So if somebody accidentally places a link, uh, an order through their link one time, and it's like a $7 commission, oh, gee, yeah. we're not going to break any goodwill over that. I mean, and if it, if it really matters to somebody, we could even say, uh, you know, normally we don't allow this. We're going to, you know, we're assuming this is just an honest oversight, so we're going to let it go this time. But in the future, just be aware. Yeah, and that'll and that'll scare people off. I, I, I mean, the example I give is we have we have we have large partners where you know where there's hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake with certain brands, and there are certain campaigns that didn't, and there's some nuanced stuff. A certain campaign didn't work or it had a conversion rate lower than it's expected, or it fell outside of some guidelines. And when you're dealing with these sort of volume and scale, these things happen. And so you talk through it, and you sort of, you know, whatever you default back to contract language, right, you're already in trouble. And so you yeah. talk through it, you figure out a remedy with the understanding that our goal is to work together. Our goal is not to optimize right. each transaction, or we would each basically take an entrenched view on this. But, you know, there are a lot of, positions I could take with affiliates where I would be legally right in the short term, but I would guarantee that they would never work with me again in the long term. Right. Uh, I'll tell you real quickly, and I know there's, I know there's a couple other things you want to share with us here in the, uh, in the 12 minutes we have left, but here's just one quick thing. Um, the biggest affiliate approach that was ever made to me that turned me off when somebody asked me to be an affiliate, and they offered me a 43% commission on something. So I'm thinking, okay, cool, I'll make 43%. It was a big ticket item. I think it was like $800 or something. So we're talking real money there. M- must have been I'm very high margin it. product. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. So now I, wasn't, now I wasn't even asking why 43%, why not 50% or why not just a round number like 40% or something like that. I wasn't even asking the question. But then they went and volunteered that, well, we would pay 50%, but you have to understand there's a shared responsibility for overhead costs, and, and we need to be aware of this due diligence and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I listened to it patiently, and I said, you know what, really? I don't give a shit about your problems. If you want me to be a 43% affiliate, just offer me 43%. If you want me to be a 50 butt, then just raise your prices and pay me 50%. I don't care about your internal problems. Uh, I that could is not, not agree more. You know, you know what this is like? I'm this the is partner. Like, you're the company. <laughs> this is like fuel charges at packaging companies. It's like, right. just tell me what it costs to ship the package. Like, you're telling me the fuel surcharge because fuel is high, but you don't take it off when fuel is low. Like, I don't, I, again, just tell me what it costs. I don't want to understand the intricacies of your business. Like, I don't want to hear your problems. I have a management philosophy here, which is like, yeah. Both internally and externally, which is no one wants to hear why something is bad for you. You have to explain why it's a bad decision for them. Exactly. Exactly. And then one, and then one final thing is you see sometimes where people say, well, that's going to be $30 if you pay by check and $35 if you pay by credit card because we have processing yeah. fees. Like, you know what? I don't care about your processing fees. I would sooner you just make it $40. 
And then yeah. now you're getting compensated for your for your merchant fees. You're getting compensated for whoever has to run it to the bank or take the time to run the check through the through the scanner app. Like whatever, I don't care. And 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 if and if you know you're dealing with people where the difference between thirty dollars and thirty five dollars is a deal breaker, uh, you might want to consider. You might want to, at minimum, add another line to your business that's a little bit higher ticket. That's just my personal impression. Yeah, I look at the airlines, you know, approach on this. It's like, just tell me what it costs. Like, I, I don't want all right. the compartmentalization. I don't want all the pieces of this. No, we, we, we. I mean, I mean, we we deal with that in our client service methodology. So, if a client were to suddenly say, "I need you to run all of these reports that are sort of not included," right? One run reaction could be like, "Hey, we're we're well, that's not in the contract, right? Well, that's that's always sort of a little incendiary, um, or or it's kind of again, why it's bad for me? That could take me a lot of time. Versus the same exactly. statement, which is true, which is, I could run all these reports, but we had all of these other recruiting goals and otherwise, whatever, and it's it, that is ten hours that I have to take out of one of these other things. Is this a higher priority? You know, and 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 that paints it in a different. You know, suddenly it's like, well. Now they have they have to weigh, you know, whether what they want now is better than whatever. But again, just telling you that that it's a burden on you. So I I agree with you. I I I it drives me nuts when businesses put their problems <laughs> on me or try to right. explain to me. Just tell me what it costs and what you're willing to pay. And that's that's what's great about the affiliate model, right? And they they somehow screwed that up, which is hey, this is what it's worth to us, and we factored in everything and anything and it shouldn't require any any other uh, explanation right precisely so we have about eight minutes left here and i do want to give you just a little bit of time to uh share with our listeners how they can move forward with you but there is one more question i want to explore here just a little bit you mentioned earlier the uberization of marketing so what does that mean and what can we learn from the brands who are setting up their own in-house marketplaces for their marketing partners using that model yeah, so I think it is, again, this notion of an in-house network where you're going to set up a network. I call it a clear box. It's going to have affiliate tracking technology, and you can license that, or I think increasingly you know, affiliate networks will offer this option if you want it. And um, you set up the terms and conditions, and it's trans- I call it the clear box. It's transparent. Unlike a lot of the stuff that's gone in with display, which is we're bidding on networks that we don't understand and can't see and have, can't vouch for where our ad is or who placed it. You know, this is the opposite. It's all, it's all transparent and seen and tracked, and um, you, you start recruiting people. And, again, maybe instead of thinking of an affiliate, maybe you talk to an agency and, you know, they have the Snapchat thing you do, and you say, hey, well, if you guys are really good at that, like, how about instead of me paying you as an agency, I actually have this program. You can join it. I'll set it up. You guys do what you're going to do, and I'll pay you $10 for every lead. So, so right, that's where you can take someone who, again, never considered themselves a publisher or part of the world and sort of this new partner vernacular. We've, we've talked to a lot of large brands who've continually told us that when they go back to their teams and otherwise and they start to refer to the affiliate program as a partner program it, and, and, and their affiliates as partners, it takes on a totally different meaning within the organization. Right. Yeah, just like, uh, yeah, just like you know, some of the coaching I um, give to – give to folks is um and i and i have dealt with this with actually two of my clients within the past year where they refer to people who um who consume their information uh but haven't spent any money yet as freeloaders i said no 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 they're not freeloaders they are prospects who are still making their decision to become customers you simply change that you you change that phraseology and how you talk about your customers and right. suddenly, they're, they're you know, top, top of funnel. Customers feel yeah. different because when you're because when you're behind their back, that will seep through, and how yeah. they feel about your interactions with them. But when you're viewing them as, hey, look, these people, they haven't given us money yet, but they're already customers. They they're just still making their decision. So you treat them like you treat anybody who you know is about to give you money, but they just haven't pulled out their wallet yet. And you're going to be sweetness, light. Help, love, right, and that's going to. Well, that's it's also it's also customers. no different than dating, right? When someone is, uh, I feel like understanding your sort of customer life cycle, and when someone is sort of, you know, when you generally met them for the first time, you don't ask them to come meet your parents, right? 
So, right. I, I mean, I think that sales teams struggle with, you know, not someone fills out one of these forms. Look, there's a form that says, like, I want to contact you and I want your help, right? And then that should respond right. with a sales guy. But, but the worst, you, the negative bias you create by filling out one of these forms that, oh, download our statistics on whatever, and no sooner do you fill that out than a sales guy calls you. Like, it, it, it's, it's awkward. It's, it's, a, it's like, again, it's like, it's like having been flirting in a bar and inviting them to meet your parents. Like, you, 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 you need the right, you know, you need to be patient, as you said. Look, these guys, have been, they've engaged with us. Like, there's probably some more stuff that we can do, but, but I'm not going to jump on them and sort of go for the kill right away when they haven't, when they're just very early in the intent process. So, Right. Right, precisely. So it just reaffirms uh, you know, the bias. The, the, it, it reaffirms the bias, the fear that people have when they fill out those forms. If they fill it out and their phone rings from sales within five minutes. Right, exa- exa- exactly. And you know, we've also found, um, you know, just in general, we want to talk about partner support. Is uh, if I don't have exact statistics in front of me, and this always varies, but we've, you know, with some of the clients we've worked with, we found if they have a program where if somebody begins to purchase something online or begins an online interaction, but they abandon it, whether they abandon the shopping cart or abandon the chat, if early in that process you capture their phone number and maybe a day later you give them a call back, some some of the best money and some of the best conversions you ever get will be just because you took the time to call the person yeah. back. And if you want to talk about a brand supporting its partners, if that brand has it lined up so when those partner referrals come in and there's abandonment of the process, the brand picks up the phone and calls that referral and ends up earning more money for those partners. What do you think that's going to do for those partners' willingness to promote the brand? Right, and taking your analogy full, Everything. full circle, so, so, so let's say there's something like that that works, right? And you're like, look, I don't know how to do this and whatever. There's someone out there who probably would come to you and offer that on a, as a service on a fully loaded CPA basis, and you say, okay, you do this and figure out the numbers and do the technology, and we'll let you join the program, and we'll pay you X amount per sale. Like, I, that sounds awesome. I don't want to figure out how to have to do it. So how about you do it and A-B test and figure out the right timing, and I'm going to pay you if it works. So I, I believe that you're going to try to make sure that it works and not waste a lot of time and money on it. Exactly. So we're near, near the top of the hour here, so um, we have about two minutes left. And I'd like to give one of those minutes to you, Robert. Uh, just tell our listeners who um, are listening to this and thinking they might want to take it to the next level and just looking for how to do that, how you serve business creators. Sure. So we, we tend to manage um, programs once they're um, up and running and get some scale. But, but we work with people, and if it's, if it's us or someone else who gives them the right resources, but we, we, we'll sit down with a company and figure out how they could design um, a program like this and whether it makes sense for their business and how, how they should resource it. So we, we usually either design a program, launch it, and then we'll be that team again, often for larger brands who will manage that on an ongoing basis for them and work with them and staff it up so they don't have to run around and try to hire affiliate managers when they don't even know what questions to ask an affiliate manager. Right, precisely. And, um, and, I, and, and again, as we mentioned very early, uh, and I even did a shout-out to our audience. I said, I've been looking for 13 years for this affiliate manager. I don't think you're out there. So please, bang your fist on the door and say, I am an affiliate manager. Because a lot of people are looking for you. And, and Robert Glazer here and Acceleration Partners are here to help you be more effective as an affiliate manager. A lot of people are looking for you, so there's no shortage of opportunity for you. Yeah, so, and look, we'll, we'll, we'll hire them maybe, even if they want to. So there's, right. a, there's a huge demand right now. But again, I think companies don't know how to interview, they don't know how to use the questions. I could give you a resume, and it talked about, you know, I grew the channel 400% last year, and you wouldn't know how to answer, ask the questions to understand why that could be very misleading or why you wouldn't want the channel to grow 400% last year. So um, it, it's hard to figure out the good ones. You've got to know how to, how to interview them and what to ask for. So, so get help on that um, if you don't know how to do it because, as someone once said, the, re- the resume is all of someone's you know, achievements embellished and all their, all their failures admitted. <laughs> 
Precisely, precisely. So, uh, again, we're at the top now. So, uh, Robert Glazer of AccelerationPartners.com, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, an education. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, if everyone wants to, if you want to download the first chapter for free, I've set it up um, after the show. You can go to performance-partnerships.com and get the first chapter of the book for free. And there's some other really helpful resources on that page as well. Performance-partnerships.com. Awesome. Thanks again. And for everybody listening, this is Adam You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.